This is Women Road Warriors with Shelley Johnson and Kathy Takaro. If you drive long haul, short haul, or heavy haul, they're here to empower and inspire women in the trades on TNCRadio.live. So gear down, sit back, and enjoy. Welcome to Women Road Warriors with Shelley Johnson and Kathy DeCaro. We're a show that works to inspire and empower women in trucking, in the trades, in every profession. We tackle all kinds of topics and work to encourage women to be their very best with informative guests and women who've been champions. I'm Shelley and I'm Kathy. No topic is not allowed on our rig. We tackle the tough topics along with the not-so-tough topics, and we like to feature experts and celebrities who can assist women in being the very best they can be. Women champions who've overcome major odds are people we love to feature on our show. They've climbed many mountains of their own and are great examples for our listeners. Lisa Thompson is one of them. She's the second American woman to climb the K2 Summit, considered to be the deadliest mountain in the world. She entered the male-dominated world of high-latitude mountaineering to show she had as much moxie as any man. Before climbing K2, she summited Mount Everest in 2016. In 2017, she was featured in Capturing Everest, the Emmy-winning documentary produced by Sports Illustrated. Lisa competed in what's been traditionally a man's world, defying the naysayers. She's also a breast cancer survivor. Lisa has a new book called Finding Elevation, about overcoming fear and finding the courage within to climb the world's most dangerous mountain. It's got great messages for our listeners. She's with us today to tell her story. Welcome, Lisa. Thank you for being with us. Thank you, Shelley. It's great to be here. So I thought we could start with you telling us about yourself. Uh, what got you into climbing mountains? Oh my gosh. Well, <clears throat> I like to say that I started climbing mountains out of spite. Um, you know, like many people, probably many of your listeners, the best way to get me to do something is to tell me that I can't do it or shouldn't do it. Oh yeah. And that was certainly <laughs> true. You're a, you're a lady after my own heart. There you go, Lisa. So the longer version of that story is that I was the only woman at my level at a new company. Um, I was in my thirties and this is in Seattle where climbing is a big part of the culture here. And so my male colleagues who were not bad guys at all, they would every weekend or so they would go climbing in the Cascade Mountains near Seattle. And I desperately wanted them to see me as capable and as part of their group. And it didn't occur to me that I could just walk up to them and say, oh, climbing, that sounds like fun. Can I join you? Instead, I got really frustrated, you know, hearing their stories on Monday morning when they would return to the office and just seeing their camaraderie and the bonds that they were building. And so I decided I would just go climb my own damn mountains. And that led me to eventually to the top of Everest. And as you mentioned, Shelly, to the top of K2, the most dangerous mountain in the world. And in the beginning, while it's true that spite and this desire to be seen as capable by the men in my office is that's what pushed me into mountaineering. I really over time gained so much more from my time in the mountains and, and that, you know, the, the growth that's happened and what I've learned about myself has really shifted over time. So it was spite that got me there, but I've learned so much and gained so much more after that. 
That's amazing. Now, I know a lot of people have heard of Mount Everest, but K2, maybe not so much. Where is K2 and how high is it? Yeah, it's a great question. It's so true. If I, you know, go to a cocktail party or meet people, they'll, you know, be excited and want to hear about Mount Everest. And I'll want to say, but there's this other mountain that's so much more difficult that I also climbed. And they're like, yeah, whatever. We want to know if you saw any dead bodies on K2 on Everest. So it's just, you know, Everest, because it's the highest mountain, it it has a lot of cachet as a result of that. And it's very well known and and people have heard of it and have probably seen movies about it at this point. But K2 is the second highest mountain in the world. It's about 800 feet shorter than Mount Everest. And K2 is on the border between Pakistan and China. And as you said, it's considered by many to be one of the most dangerous mountains in the world. In part, that is because it is far more remote than Mount Everest. So if you can imagine on Everest there, you know, because it's become so popular to climb, there's all this infrastructure that's been built up to support the climbers that go there every spring. And so at base camp on Everest, which is above 16,000 feet, there's an emergency room. You can have Wi-Fi. There are a thousand people there every year from all over the world who are you know, getting to know one another and preparing for their climbs. There are helicopters, commercial helicopters that will pluck you up from the top, from nearly the top of the mountain and and whisk you to safety if that's what you need. None of those things, none of those comforts, none of that infrastructure exists on K2. It's still a very, very remote mountain, um, again, in Pakistan. So there's there's no infrastructure like that at base camp. If you want a helicopter, you have to negotiate with the Pakistani army to get it. Um, so it's it's much a much different vibe than Mount Everest. And aside from that, the weather on K2 is just notoriously fickle. So it is known for just monster storms that come from nowhere um, and threaten to you know blow climbers off the mountain or dump so much snow that the the route becomes very avalanche prone and unsafe. And then I would say the third thing that makes um, K2 much more challenging than Everest that there's, is that there's a lot of what we call objective hazards. So there are avalanches that are much more likely on K2 due to the, the degree of the slope and a lot, a lot of rockfall on K2 as well. So all of those things combined um, make it one of the most dangerous mountains in the world. And I, you know, feel grateful just to have, have for one summited on my first attempt, and then also to have summited safely with my team. That's amazing. Oh, my goodness. Uh, And being a woman, um, did you get some pushback, especially (laughs) on K2? I think most it is the the culture of high altitude mountaineering is changing. There, I've heard multiple people say recently that there are more women entering high altitude mountaineering than men at this point. So it's changing. Most of the pushback that I experienced was really early on in my climbing career. Um, and I could, you know, when I write about this in my book, there were many times when I could just, you know, see, get this vibe from someone that like, oh, like, isn't that cute? You think you're going to climb, you know, the highest mountain in South America. Good for you. And there was just this vibe often of being like discounted or, you know, people looked, looked over me and didn't think that I could do it. Mm -hmm. I wasn't taken seriously. 
And that, like I said in the beginning, that of course drove me to just work so hard to be as ready as I could possibly be to climb whatever mountain was my next objective. And that, you know, for example, when I summited Denali, which is the highest mountain in North America, it's in Alaska, part of that climb meant that I had to carry nearly my body weight combined between a a backpack and a sled. So I would carry and pull over a hundred pounds. And it was very important to me that I contributed equally to my team. I was the only woman on the team and I didn't want anyone to take weight out of my backpack because they thought I couldn't carry it or give me a lighter load one day because they thought I couldn't carry it. And so that just drove me to just focus very intently on preparation, on being as prepared mentally and physically as I could be to take on these mountains because I, I a never wanted to be um, to contribute in a negative way to my team. And I didn't want any, anyone to see me as not being capable either. How do so you it really push me? <laughs> oh man. And, and Bravo, how do you train to climb mountains? Because yeah. obviously um, you have to do some practice. It takes a distance and time away from work to mm. actually climb a mountain. How, how do you mm-hmm. even prepare? Yeah, it's something that has been really important to me. So important that in 2018, I started my own company to coach mountaineers. It's called Alpine Athletics. Okay. And so it it totally depends on where you're coming from. Some people that I coach have, you know, climbed say five of the seven highest mountains in the, in the on each continent. So they're very skilled already. Um, other people that I coach are coming to me and they maybe saw a movie about climbing a big mountain and thought it was something they wanted to, to try. And their goal someday is to climb Mount Everest. So it depends on your starting point for sure. But the, the sort of big takeaway about climbing, about training to climb any mountain is that it's an endurance activity and people often don't see it that way. They think, oh, I have to, you know, like lift a bunch of heavy weights and do a bunch of squats in the gym. And it's really much more about building your aerobic capacity, which is not fun or sexy work. It's a lot lot of like running at a a moderate pace and speed to build up what your lungs can do. Um, And then you mentioned Shelly, just the time away to climb as well. Um, you know, part of preparation is to make sure that you've got the skill necessary to climb whatever the, your mountain goal is going to demand of you. And that was certainly a big deal for me before I attempted K2. I wanted to make sure that I was comfortable climbing sketchy rock, that I was comfortable moving at 25,000 feet on near vertical rock while wearing a down suit and crampons. And so a big part of preparation is to make sure that your skill and ability match what that mountain demands of you. And I think, you know, that sometimes gets overlooked. Sometimes people let their ambition get ahead of their ability. And it's so important to me to make sure that I'm as prepared as possible. I think it's actually a bit disrespectful to a mountain to think that, you know, I I didn't prepare appropriately or I don't understand what this mountain is going to demand of me. And to show up and think that you can have a good experience. So preparation to me is huge, huge, big deal. Makes sense. <laughs> uh, just in terms of safety. Yes. I, I think a lot of people 
who have never climbed a mountain want to know why does somebody want to climb a mountain? <laughs> you know, it's really interesting. You guys even talk, we're talking about this because I'm going to Machu Picchu in October. It's a five day hike. Yes. Great. Amazing, Kathy. Uh, and it makes me wonder, God, am I, I, cause I've already started working out and I'm, I'm talking, I have a personal trainer at work great. and now I've, I've committed, uh, I've got a, a bunch of my coworkers coming. And so I'm thinking, I keep asking myself, what do I need to prepare to do this yes. five day hike plus an extra day to Rainbow Mountain? But um, we'll talk yeah. after Kathy. We'll get you ready. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> what do the mountains represent? Is it a symbolic thing or is it a thrill seeking thing? I think a lot of people go, why do you want to climb the world's biggest summit? Why do you want to put yourself at risk? Is yeah. it scary? That sort of thing. Great questions. Um, and that is sort of what's at the heart of, of my book is exploring what it is that causes us to take or caused me at least to take such big risks. And so the answer is not a short one, but mountains for me represent a way for me to find out what I'm capable of. And that was very, very true in the beginning, uh, the beginning of my climbing career. And as I've matured and, you know, started to answer some of those questions and started to understand my capability Mountains have taught me so much. So they, they have also taught me about humility. They have taught me about what it's like to be on a team. Um, you know, if I am physically tied to you, Shelly, as we're ascending, just say Mount Rainier, which is the highest peak in Washington, I'm relying on you to stop me if I should fall and vice versa. And that, that sort of you know, intense teamwork, which I'm sure you've probably experienced too in your career, Kathy, um, is something that draws me back to the mountains time and time again, because it's a very rewarding feeling to know that I've contributed in a positive way to this team. And we've achieved this goal that, you know, while we're climbing, maybe separately, we're coming from with, you know, different backgrounds and experiences from different parts of the world. We've worked together to accomplish this goal safely. And so that sense of teamwork is something that brings me back every time. Stay tuned for more of Women Road Warriors coming up. Industry movement Trucking Moves America Forward is telling the story of the industry. Our safety champions, the women of trucking, independent contractors, the next generation of truckers, and more. Help us promote the best of our industry. Share your story and what you love about trucking. Share images of a moment you're proud of. And join us on social media. Learn more at truckingmovesamerica.com. Welcome back to Women Road Warriors with Shelley Johnson and Kathy Takaro. I went to um, Tibet Mount uh, to base camp in, in 2018. I did a seven day tour and we, cause I was touring all the monasteries cause it's something I've always yeah. wanted to do. And we ended at base camp. There's a monastery there. It was November 22nd. It was the last day that the, the, the camp was open and I managed, I, the night, the, the night before we were hiking to the actual sign, I, um, 
they have the, uh, at the monastery guest house they don't have doors it's these yak blankets and mm -hmm. I, I went to get more hot water um because it was so freaking cold <laughs> uh from the from the main place anyway and I tripped over a step and I um I as I'm going down I yanked on the on the yak blanket to stop myself so I <sighs> tore my my ligament and I also sprained my foot oh, no. but but so the next morning we're hiking to the thing and I'm thinking you know what I've made it all the way here I'll be dipped if I'm gonna be <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, not making it there I hiked that last four kilometers with a sprained foot to that sign wow <laughs> to make sure that I could get that picture and say I did this you know that's right and I filmed I don't know if it's a it's there's only one base camp right on Everest yeah, I mean, there's, there's more there's different levels, but I mean, this is like the very, very bottom one. Yeah, I so there's a base camp on each side. There's two very common routes to climb Mount Everest, one on the north side in Tibet, which is where you were, and one on the south okay. side in Nepal. So yeah, on each side, it. there's only one. Yeah. Yeah, okay, because I remember because I was, I was in Nepal for five days, and then I was this, I went to um, flying through the air, taking the pictures of Mount Everest. I got to yeah. tell you, we went so close. We, I paid for a, like a $200 a trip just to fly to Mount Everest and back. Um, it, it's impressive. It's so impressive. Pick like movies don't don't really depict it properly. I don't think like no. when you see it, you're like, oh my gosh, right? So it's yeah, so I, true. And I was fortunate just this past fall to go back to Nepal um, and co-led an all women's expedition to climb a different mountain there. And there's a point as you're walking in, and maybe you experience this too, Kathy, where you know, you're still kilometers and kilometers away from even base camp, but you can see the mountain. Yeah. And it looks so huge and daunting. Daunting yet, is a good word. Yes, so far I away. And I still, even this year when I was, you know, I had climbed it, it's been several years and I yeah. saw it and I thought, how in the world did I get this little body from standing right here? all the way up there and back so it's still it is it's still a view that goes yeah. to you like uh, having yeah. been there personally and seen it and experienced it I mean oh hats off to you a thousand times over because that's you. something oh yeah that's impressive very it really very impressive. is so yeah. what what's scarier going up the mountain or going down the mountain oh my gosh going down for me is much scarier um and some of that is you know just related to to gravity right because you're you're physically facing away from the mountain and so you're much more likely to fall most of the accidents that occur on big peaks um actually occur on the descent as opposed to the as opposed to the ascent and so for me it's much more dangerous to go down and there was a point um, on Mount Everest, actually, where I, I had summited, I was feeling great. And, you know, that still have a little swagger in your step. I'm still at 26,000 feet. So still actually in what's called the death zone, but starting to come down. And my uh, climbing partner and I were at a point on the route called the Geneva Spur, which is just below um, the high camp. And we look down over the sort of rocky precipice and we see all these people coming up the ropes. And we know that we're going to have to stand there and, and wait for them to come up before we can use the ropes to sort of repel down like a fireman. And so there's another way to descend with the ropes. It's not quite as secure. It's called arm wrapping, where you actually take the rope that's 
tied to the mountain and you wrap it around your arm, sort of your forearm, and then you lean forward to create tension and walk down the mountain. And so this terrifies me. It still terrifies me today, even though I've done it for hours on end. And I remember my friend looking back at me and saying, we're like, we're going to have to arm wrap this or we're going to be standing up here forever. And my gut reaction was, there's no way I can do that. And I looked at him and I knew that, you know, I'd climbed with them for years. He knows me and what I'm capable of. And I nodded my head and wrapped that rope around my right arm and leaned forward and started walking down the rock. And while it was terrifying, I arm wrapped the entire rest of the descent because that just solidified for me that I was so much more capable than I thought I was, that I was, you know, I was letting myself get in my way of believing what I could do and that he, he could see it before I could. So uh, just a little anecdote about, about descending if, but to answer your question, Shelly, it's much, much more dangerous and much more daunting to me to descend than to go up. Um. For me, daunting would be going up and going down because I've never done any of this. <laughs> Fair <laughs> so, enough. <laughs> and, and I think it's just amazing. You've risen to the challenge, Lisa, and you were able to compete with the men. This is marvelous. And you proved yourself. What were some of the things you learned about yourself that these mm. mountains gave you the strength to realize? Yeah. So one of the things um, that I have realized is that is the importance of listening to my own intuition. So that example that I just gave you on Mount Everest, I, I didn't have that ability then, right? I, I doubted that I could safely descend that way. And I have learned over years of being in the mountains and years of often being, you know, disregarded that I have to listen to my own intuition. And that also makes me a, a better partner if I'm able to say to whoever I'm climbing with, like, I just don't, I'm not feeling this today or I need to take a break or something's not right here. I didn't always have that strength or that I wasn't always in tune with my intuition. Um, there was a moment when I was descending K2 where sort of similar scenario as, as on Mount Everest. And I did not feel safe descending via that method that, that I described via arm wrapping. It was a point on K2 where, because I'm a mountain nerd, I knew that more people had died than, than any other place on the mountain. And it was again congested. And this time, what I, I listened to myself and I knew that I needed to descend a safer way. Um, and I actually told the same climbing partner, um, no, that this is what feels right to me. I'm going to repel. And um, that got a little complicated because there was someone on my repel rope. So if you can imagine I'm descending and uh, there's actually two ropes in that section, one meant for people going up and one meant for people coming down. And someone had decided to, to climb up the rope meant for people to descend. Oh, boy. And so I, when I... Hey. When I realized what was happening, um, I screamed at the man very loudly. I said probably not nice things to him to try to get him moving, and he didn't. And Ugh. so, you know, my choice is again to wait, which at twenty four thousand feet is not not the best choice. I would have run out of oxygen. 
Um, I would have created a bigger traffic jam. And so I descended to this man and tried, you know, spoke to him and tried to get him to start moving. And he, you know, he was sort of beyond his limit and not able to continue climbing. And so I had to very delicately anchor myself into the ice uh, with the tools that I had and then maneuver my way around him in order to continue repelling. Mm. And it was one of those moments where when it was all said and done, I realized that I'm much more capable than than I think I am. I think that's true for every single one of us. I was just going to say that. I think we all, we all stop ourselves. We do. From, right? Yes. yes, we do. Yep. We do. And sometimes it's these intense situations that, you know, you're put in for whatever reason and you don't have a choice, but to use every tool and all of your resilience and all of your, you know, skills and background to get through it. And you realize, wow, I am capable of that. And, and what I hope is that the next time that little voice, you know, pops into my head saying, I don't think I can do that, that I go back to, to another scenario where I thought that, and I actually did mm-hmm. I actually was capable. I think that's the learning for me. And that's one of the things that mountains have taught me. I think that's really good advice for every single listener out there, regardless of the situation um, that they're currently facing, that if if they think they can't do it, maybe reflect back on some other difficult uh, situation that that, that they've managed to come through and look at it at a little different and use that Mm -hmm. as fuel to say, you know what, I did that so I can do this. (laughs) So true. It is so true. And I think it doesn't matter if it's about asking your boss for a raise or, you know, having a difficult conversation with your spouse or having another child, like whatever it is, it is, yeah. sure. it is so true. Yeah. yeah. You you could take a step back and say, you know, I did all of these things. This mm-hmm. is a piece of cake. I can mm-hmm. handle this. Yeah. You know, just this last week uh, on, on the dozer, when I was on top of this, these really big um, piles of dirt and I had to top, like flatten all the tops. Well, these crevices on either side of this dozer, were so deep and so steep and I, I'm in a big piece of machine, right? So you think one wrong move with my wrist mm. will send me flying down this crevice. And I started looking at that. I'm like, well, you know what, Kathy, you can either sit here and dwell in that fear because let me tell you, my, my gut was like, Ugh. but then again, my brain kicks in and no, you got this, you can do this. And just by put, you know, every step that I needed to do to get through it. And I did. And by talking myself through it out loud, <laughs> yep. do this, do this it, it actually, the fear disappeared and I was focused more on um, what needed to be done. And at the end of it, I was quite proud of them. Like, damn, girl, exactly. damn, look what you just did. Look what you just did. <laughs> and verbalizing that. Yeah, was is important, isn't it? To to kind of retrain our brain or convince our brain that get over this. This is not too scary. I can do this. I can do this. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I talk to myself a lot when I'm climbing. (laughs) (laughs) I talk to myself a lot anytime. I can't imagine how much I'd be talking on a mountain. (laughs) Oh, wow. So Lisa, these things, you tested yourself to a degree most people don't. Mm-hmm. Um, would you say that this kind of inner strength that you discovered, did that also help you when you found out you had breast cancer? 
and be able to go through this and become strong and be a survivor. Yeah, it absolutely did. And I thought about that question a lot, you know, was it cancer that helped me in the mountains or was it climbing that helped me get through cancer? Mm -hmm. And I think, I think both are true um, because they're so intertwined for me. And so I was diagnosed with can with breast cancer when I was 42. I, you know, had a routine mammogram before work one day, never in a million years did I think when I walked into that exam room that the outcome would be that I had tumors in my left breast, never thought that. And so, you know, part of the learning or the realization is that life is so fragile and it can change in a second. Mm-hmm. And and that has certainly contributed to me wanting to accomplish all the things in the mountains and in life that are important to me, whether that's writing a book or whether that's climbing Mount Everest. So cancer definitely influenced the rest of my life. And it's, it still does today. Um, there were also moments, you know, when I had cancer, part of, part of me getting through it was just to think in really small steps about what I needed to do, you know, what decision I needed to make. Sometimes it was, I'm just going to, you know, do the laundry and 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 I'm going to celebrate when I get through with that because it just feels so impossible today to do anything. And that Mm -hmm. is true in the mountains too. Like, I think similar to what you were saying, Kathy, like, I'm just going to take, like, I'm going to, I'm going to climb to that next rock and I'm going to celebrate it when I get there. And then I'm going to think about what the next thing is that I need to do today. Mm-hmm. And so, the, you know, they're for me, climbing and having cancer are now so intertwined and so sort of like influence one another in positive ways. And I'm grateful that I get to take from each of those experiences, the things that allow me to keep growing and evolving. Mm-hmm. You'd, you'd almost think that, um, cancer is the biggest mountain you've ever climbed mm-hmm. right you've ever overcome is that for sure right? for yeah. sure yeah yeah and I you know I also think that we're put in those situations for reasons um at that point in my career I was you know I was very very focused on like achieving everything I could in a corporate setting and after cancer and just realizing how short life is, I totally reprioritized my life, um, mm-hmm. you know, stepped away for a while from that corporate environment, got a divorce, actually sold a lot of things. And just it really just caused me to focus on what was really important to me. Isn't that true? Yeah. Sometimes so- that has to happen. Yes. We do an <laughs> introspective and we take a step back and say, what do I really, really want? Mm -hmm. And am I being who I'm truly supposed to be? In a lot of ways, I think the pandemic has done that with a lot of people. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, And I think I sort of needed, you know, that like abrupt, you have cancer moment to cause me to, to have that introspection. I think I was so focused on other things that I needed someone to really just whack me in the head and get me to pay attention and, you know, it, hindsight today, looking back, um, I'm grateful for that because I know my life would not be as full and meaningful if I hadn't had it. Stay tuned for more of Women Road Warriors coming up. 
Trucking Moves America Forward, or TMAF, is building a positive image of trucking by telling the story of the hardworking drivers and industry professionals who support the industry. And you can be a part of it. Learn more about TMAF and how you can join and be a part of the industry movement working to build a strong image of trucking by visiting TMAF's website at truckingmovesamerica.com. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and our latest channel, TikTok. Welcome back to Women Road Warriors with Shelley Johnson and Kathy Takaro. Lisa, you've led such an incredible life and you've risen above so many obstacles. Even when there was major adversity, it's interesting what adversity yes. and fear <laughs> uh, really does to the human psyche. I think we do become very myopic in what we're doing. We just become so focused and we stop taking care of ourselves, a lot of different things. And sometimes we need a jolt to say, hey, you've got to get out of this chaos. This is not good for you. Right. You know, my 13 years of nursing, if the one thing that it taught me is that people think they have time and they don't necessarily do. And I know for a fact, I mean, I, I've been at, at the bedside of, I'm going to say hundreds and hundreds of people at the, at the end stage mm-hmm. and holding their hand and having them tell me, you know, uh, all the, the, the regrets that they had, they didn't forgive enough. They didn't travel enough. They didn't love enough. They're still full of anger and resentment for family members or or whatever it is. Right. And I remember back then, look, you know, thinking I'm not going to live my life like that. I I don't want it to come to the, to, to the end and think like, Oh man, I should have did this. I should have did that. And so I have spent my entire life, um, not to mention the fact that I should be dead 10 times over already and <laughs> not that I survived. But um, I realized I came to terms that um, God did not leave me on earth to sit on the couch and waste precious time. And so I use every moment, if not every second that of my, of my waking hour to do something um, to, I, I feel to make a ripple effect of, uh, of positive vibes to the world, to give hope yeah. back. And it's so important to me. Like right now, I'm I'm just going through the through the whole thing. I'm selling my house. I have to I had to put my mom into a better home, and I'm looking at all the stuff that's cluttered, <laughs> that's collected. And as of this moment, I am the I'm the most minimalistic person. <laughs> because it, it's like I'm 53, and I'm looking. I'm like, what the heck? Like, I'm I'm at that that crossroads where no, this is not where I need to be, you know, this is not where, right. So I'm really doing a lot of introspective and I'm sure when, when you, when you came to terms with, with the whole cancer thing, it was similar, right? Like what, yes. what is important? What isn't yes. important? Yeah. Yes. yes. And Especially the stuff for right? you know, three or more months. I just lived out of a couple of duffel bags and it felt so Good. It felt so good to be like, what am I going to wear today? Well, I only have these three things. I guess it's one of those. Yeah. 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 It's, yeah, it's life altering, but in a good way. Mm -hmm. Because, I mean, I I look at a lot of my coworkers or, or, and, I look at their lives and, or, or the typical life, right? You go home, you go to work and you, you do all that. That is not who Kathy is designed to be. And so I choose that, no, from this, that I'm going to be doing something way different. 
And I'm, I, I'm, I, I think I'm rather blessed to be able to see that, to, to remove the blinders and see that there's so much more to life that people allow themselves to live. You know, mm-hmm. it's almost like they're holding themselves back from, you know, they have dreams and goals, but, oh, well, I got this and this and oh, it's okay. Now's not the right time. Yeah. There's never a right time. Exactly. Never. Right. Exactly. It's very true. You got to um, make the time. That's yes. right. Yep. <laughs> and maybe fear is one of the biggest reasons people say, yeah, I'm not going to do that. They don't yeah. admit they're afraid, but maybe inside that's the biggest obstacle. Yeah. I believe that. I think that's very true. I think sometimes it's also hard to see what's on the other side of that fear. It's a a question I ask myself sometimes is when I notice that I'm being afraid, whether it's in life or in a relationship or in the mountains is what's on the other side of that. Mm -hmm. And seeing that, you know, version of me or me past whatever I'm being confronted with is what motivates me to move through it, to move Mm -hmm. through that fear. And I think, like you said, Kathy, we often get so just sort of stuck and myopic and unable Mm -hmm. to move or think beyond whatever is fearful in the moment. Yeah. Stay tuned for more of Women Road Warriors coming up. Kathy DeCaro is nothing short of amazing. She not only drives the world's biggest truck as a heavy equipment operator in Northern Alberta, Canada. She's an international motivational speaker and the author of Dream Big, an autobiography about overcoming a lifetime of trauma and abuse that led to dreams of success. Kathy inspires people the world over to change their lives and improve their self-worth. Her book will change your life. She's passionate about personal growth and believes anyone can change their circumstances and overcome their obstacles if they believe in themselves. Her life will amaze you and seriously inspire you. Be sure to order a copy of her book, Dream Big, on Amazon.com. Industry movement Trucking Moves America Forward is telling the story of the industry. Our safety champions, the women of trucking, independent contractors, the next generation of truckers, and more. Help us promote the best of our industry. Share your story and what you love about trucking. Share images of a moment you're proud of. And join us on social media. Learn more at truckingmovesamerica.com. Welcome back to Women Road Warriors with Shelley Johnson and Kathy Takaro. You know, Lisa, climbing a mountain, not knowing what's on the other side, you were saying on the other side of that fear, there's certainly, I'm sure, fear that you're feeling when you're climbing the mountain. You're not sure what to expect. You're not sure what Mother Nature is going to hand your way. Mm -hmm. You have to be so totally self-sufficient, but also a team player because you have other people with you. Yeah, it pulls things out of you. You probably would never know know that you had inside of you, <laughs> um, because you have to deal with everything in the moment, mm-hmm. and you're probably not uh, dwelling on all the bad stuff that some people and a lot of us tend to d- dwell on that clutters up our thinking. You've got to be in the moment all the time. 
Yes. Which is one of the things that I love about climbing. Um, and I love that from, you know, very early on that sense of like, I'm, I, all I have to worry about today is eating and breathing and climbing and taking care of myself. I don't have to check my email. I don't care what's going on in Instagram. Like mm-hmm. it, it's very freeing or it, it has always been very freeing to me to only think about those things that are truly important for my safety and for me contributing to my, my team. And it is one of the things that brings me back time and time again um, I, you know, just having returned from this all women's expedition in Nepal, that was especially true on that climb where we, you know, we were all women and there've been other all women expeditions, but for us, it meant that, you know, all of our porters were female. Everyone who supported us at base camp was female. And it was so incredible to see us a like drop our egos and also just be in the moment with each other mm-hmm. and just enjoying yeah. like moving together up the mountain and having meals together and getting to know one another. It was just such an incredible feeling. The other side of that is it's hard for me to walk away from that. It's very hard for me to have to come home and be like, Oh God, now I do have to check my email. Sure. You have to be connected again. Yeah. Here comes the clutter. Right. Right. But I'd like to think that, you know, after each of those experiences, I take a little bit of it with me. Like I carry it with me and it takes longer and longer. I find for it to sort of, you know, be diminished by just the day-to-day stuff that we all have to deal with. You know, I think that too many people don't live in the moment and that really is the best way to not stress yourself out. People are either in the past and they're Mm -hmm. stuck there or they're thinking and worried about the future, which they have no control of the future at all. They can Mm -hmm. think about the direction they want to head, but they're not enjoying what's happening in the moment. They can be having conversations with somebody else and they're busy texting uh, (laughs) at the same time. It's like, that's not in the moment. It's amazing how distracted people are today. Yeah. It's so, and I struggle with it too. I'm a horrible multitasker. And I think, again, that's why having a counterbalance to that is so important to me to be able to just like focus on what is absolutely essential in the moment. It just, it keeps me going back to the mountains for sure. That's wonderful. So what do you want people to be able to get out of your book, Lisa? (laughs) You know, that's a, it's a very interesting question for me because part of me wants to say, I want people to get whatever they need out of it. And I don't know if as an author, I should prescribe that. But what I have heard from people who've had the chance to read the early versions of it is that it's been incredibly inspiring for people and not just for people who are interested in climbing, but for people who, especially women who have been told no or told that they shouldn't do something or couldn't do something or have had a goal that other people told them was too audacious or big and that it's helped readers realize that they can accomplish those things. And so that to me is, it is a little bit overwhelming. When I I set out to write in 2015 when I had cancer. Um, So it's been a multi-year process and I've learned a lot about, you know, the art of memoir and the art of writing. I certainly haven't figured it all out. Um, But after that, you know, arduous road of like 
editing and writing and rewriting and to finally see my memoir, you know, about to be in the world and to hear from people that it's impacting them in a positive way is just incredible. It's one of the most incredible feelings I think I've ever had. Um, so I hope, you know, that readers find it entertaining. I hope that I think it will appeal to readers who are interested in knowing what it's like to climb a big mountain and especially what it's like to do that as a woman. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it will shed some light on just human motivation and risk-taking and why it is that we take the risks that we do in life. And I think it will also, or I hope it will also inspire people to set a big goal or to, you know, look past whatever's in front of them that's scary or fearful and to take the next step towards whatever their goal is. Um, those are the things that I would hope for the book. And that's what's so very needed today. And certainly you're an inspiration and somebody may not decide that they want to go climb a mountain, but they can use that metaphor to climb yes. that mountain that's in their way. Yes. Perhaps. Yes. Or you can use a bulldozer and move or that a mountain. Bulldozer. There, I, there I you go. Borrow, yeah. I like that, Kathy. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good metaphor too uh-huh <laughs> when i was pushing this this 400 ton pile of dirt which is lit a mountain in itself and i'm pushing through it i'm like yeah i got this right move uh, i so want to come hang out with you at work one yeah <laughs> so how big is your bulldozer kathy Oh my God. It's the biggest in the world. It's, um, oh, I wish I, it's really hard to explain. Um, 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 okay. You know, a fuel truck, I guess that they kind of not, not an 18 wheeler, but just like, just a regular fuel truck. Uh -huh. Um, it's bigger than that. <laughs> That's all I can say. It's so big. It's so big, but it's the power that it has. I cannot tell you that like when I'm pushing that pile of dirt and I'm thinking, oh, ah, you know, I'm frustrated with, with other things going on in my life. All of a sudden, just knowing that I can bulldoze my way through this pile of dirt, that mm -hmm. I got this. It doesn't matter That's what's right. coming my way. I got this, man. That's right. That's what I'm doing. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And sometimes bit. that's all you need to have, I think, mentally to prepare yourself to head in the right direction, to overcome those obstacles. And, you know, I think yeah. it's believing in yourself. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It is. It's a mindset. Really yep. Because and, if when standing on the ground, looking at this giant piece of equipment, thinking, oh, my God, I could have easily said, you know what? Yeah, no, that's a little too intimidating for me. But I'm like, oh, hell no. I am scared <laughs> shitless. And I might fail, but I don't care. I'm going to try it anyway. Right? There you and go. I'm Love it. That's yes. right. So, yeah. And that's the right mindset. So, Lisa, where do people find your book, Finding Elevation? So you can, anywhere books are sold, you can pre-order right now on Amazon. If you just search Finding Elevation, my name, Lisa Thompson, you'll find it. It will be published and on bookstore shelves on January 10th. And so after that point, you can get it any place that books are sold. Excellent. Nice. This nice. is so much fun. Bravo, yes, Lisa. You are a champion. Oh my goodness. Thank I you think so if you could that. move a mountain, you could do that too. <laughs> and then some holy yep. cow this has been a lot yep. of fun very 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 inspiring oh my gosh yes i'm planning a trip to nepal again uh, this coming uh in in june i'm going to india for my hindi book launch they translate into hindi so i'm going oh there gosh. for two 
and I am spending five days in Nepal. So just because I fell in love with it when I was there, but I'm not going to hike a mountain there. I'm going to be more focused on human trafficking when I'm there. So, (laughs) but uh, we, um, as a part of this last climb, we raised money for girls to go to school and there were girls from a particular part of northern nepal that are often trafficked so oh thank you for actually when i was there last time uh, we were doing some studies and there's eight thousand women a year disappear for being sold into human trafficking yeah. and a lot of it it's the young girls coming off yes. the, the, the villages off the mountain to, to go yeah. into town and that's where they they get trafficked and they of course they get a lot of them get sent to india and then yeah. for all over the world which is absolutely horrible so yeah my good friend makes um uh bags she's got girls that are rescued from from human trafficking and they make uh beach bags out of pr- uh, recycled products from the ocean mm. and so yeah so i'm gonna go there with her and you know, see what she does with these women and just yeah it'll be super cool super super cool thank you for doing that so important yep this has been really really good thank you lisa i appreciate you my pleasure this has been terrific talking to you oh it's been so interesting very fun i love connecting with other women who are doing amazing things so it's been a pleasure and now now this upcoming trip to machu picchu i'm like if she can do it i can do it that's That's right right. that's right you got it you got it (laughs) you got this You've been listening to Women Road Warriors with Shelly Johnson and Kathy Takaro. If you want to be a guest on the show or have a topic or feedback, email us at info at tncradio.live. Thank you for listening to another great interview on tncradio.live. And don't forget, be sure to subscribe to our podcast of Women Road Warriors. It's free. All of the material you hear on tncradio.live on our website, our broadcasts, or our podcasts are copyrighted. There can be no distribution without the express consent of tncradio.live and its partners. For inquiries, write us at info at tncradio.live.